You got to know when you feel like you're giving too much and when you need to take a step back. You got to know when to prioritize yourself. You got to know when to seek help because it is lonely at the top. Everybody's not going to get it how much you're doing. You got to know when you got to talk to somebody because you're going through it. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Unlocking College Life. Today, we have a special student guest to talk with us about a lot of different issues that impact college students, particularly around mental health, mental health stigma, and other salient topics. So I'm going to go ahead and let Thomas introduce himself. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Thomas Vance. I graduated in May of 2021, and I'm currently a first-year law student at Columbia Law School in New York City, New York. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you. Your background is really so rich, and we hope that today you can share with our students all kinds of wisdom and tips. I want to say that we know you as in different roles from the University of Michigan. I think you are the former speaker of the Black Student Union, and you have been on the debate team, and now you're at Columbia. So we are really hoping to hear from you on Again, tips and tricks on both of these campuses. When you were undergrad at Michigan, and also now you have a little bit of a comparison from Columbia, and our podcast is about connections and also other themes like help-seeking, and really curious to hear what you have to say about barriers to students, but also what can students tap into? What resources are here? What helped you to survive and thrive? Great question. So to get the jokes out the way, I think one of the things I miss the most about Michigan is connecting with trees and the grass, because there's not a lot of that in New York City. But on a more serious note, yes, I did have a very rich and deep college experience in undergrad. A lot of that was because they were things like I got recruited to do debate. I found the BSU in my first year at Michigan, and that's something that I wanted to continue to do. And so just my involvement got deeper and deeper until I found myself the speaker or the president of the Black Student Union. But in that four-year journey, it was a lot of connection. One, because there were times where I was struggling. I went through a really bad breakup my sophomore year. My dad died at the beginning of my junior year. There are a lot of moments in undergrad where it's like, ooh, I'm 19 and 20 and shouldn't have to deal with these feelings right now, but life comes at you fast. So one of the things I I tried to do was at least make sure that I had friends that even if I didn't see them every day or talk to them every day, those are friends that I could be emotionally vulnerable with and lean into those feelings. I was a big fan of CAPS. I know CAPS is a hot take. When I was vaguely for Welcome Wednesday, I hung out with Hawkeye. So me and the wellness dog got to hang out a couple times. But the thing that really helped me was making sure that, like you all were saying, I was maintaining genuine connections and relationships. Because especially when all that gets thrown on your plate while you're doing classes from your dorm room, because I love the dorms. So senior year, I was in a dorm doing school on Zoom. With all that, there's not a lot of connection. It feels like a lot of isolation. Still trying to find ways to maintain relationships is important. And I think the first step is figuring out what you feel comfortable with doing 
in terms of what sources that you'd like to seek and go from there. So as you were talking, I was also thinking that one of the themes we've talked about is that for a lot of students, it's actually really hard to share things that might be not going so well. Like sometimes it's easier to share the like, oh, this is look at me, I did this great thing, but that when things aren't going so well or when things are harder, that can be a barrier in itself. Because I almost thought when you were talking about reaching out to others that that's also a form of help seeking. It doesn't always mean that you have to go see a counselor or a therapist. So I wonder if you could talk about what helped you if I share with the folks I trust, that can be a form of help in itself. It's easy to do because it's a lot more, I don't know, part of it is maybe you think you can kind of like thug it out on your own. Maybe you can process it yourself. I think at a young age, I was taught that it was okay to be vulnerable and express my feelings. So I know sometimes it can be like a masculinity thing to some men or it can be a pride thing to other people. For me, that was never the case because it's like, I don't know, if you're going through it, you're going through it. And it's always better to say something. If this is maybe your first, your second, or even your 10th time trying to be like, okay, now is the time that I'm going to decide to open up. I think you kind of just have to realize that if you keep that all in, it's going to come out in a way that you don't like. So maybe that's you lash out at your significant other, another friend, somebody you're having a regular conversation with. There's a, a tick or a trigger and then just kind of dump that on them. It may come out as in like you may isolate yourself because you feel like nobody else gets it. And like, that's valid. A lot of other people may not understand what you're going through, but the least you can do is try to at least tell somebody about how you're feeling. I remember there are a lot of times where I'd leave a BSU meeting and I would just be angry. And I'm like, I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. I don't feel like we're doing what we need to do. I don't feel like we're on track. And my outlet after those meetings was I go talk to my mom for two hours and then I'm back in the mix. If I kept all of those thoughts built up about how I felt about the work we were doing or the presence we had, I think I would have been very angry my senior year just because it was hard to lead a student org, to be a student org while everything's online and virtual for one, and also a lot was going on in particular that year, socially, COVID, all of these things, and plenty of reasons to be angry about, right? So, Well, and I wonder too, I know a lot of students have talked about representation in like mental health and wellness services too, which is, I think, also a little bit of what you're talking about, which is that how can students really seek out who they want to talk to? Because I think sometimes students feel like they're told, oh, well, you should go talk to this unit. And how do you find the professionals that you trust, even if their title isn't therapist or counselor? That's a good question, especially because I'm thinking about how I was supposed to get a wellness check, like a physical, an annual physical and I was trying to cross-list who was in my insurance network and who looked cool. And that was a lot of providers. In undergrad, with that, I got a recommendation from a friend about a therapist that they were using at CAPS. And so when I walked in, that's what I requested. So if your friends have any recommendations, I think that's what I would use. If you really just don't know and you don't have the time to look it up because who has the time to really look for providers. If it's somebody within the university, I would just go ask the person that sits at the front desk. If it's somebody outside 
of the university. That may be one where you got to go and like, I don't know, psychology today, or you do a Google search or you kind of ask around. I know the university always offered uh, recommendations and referrals to therapists in the Ann Arbor area. But if you want to go see somebody completely different, great. That may take like a little bit more work, but I imagine that it's worth it. Are the resources that you utilized while at Michigan, and what about your new university? That's a fun question, because I have been way too deep in the books. The worst part, I think, about the transition to law school has been how much time I spend on myself. So at Michigan, I'd when I finally got a bicycle, ride my bike all the time senior year, went to Master Jordan Dining Hall three times a day and made sure I was getting a healthy dose of video games and TikToks because, <laughs> hey, undergrad, it can be a party at times, uh, but there are other times where you have to buckle down because you have a lot of things to do. And the one thing that you can't forget to do is make time for yourself. So even if you're not seeing a professional, like I know we throw around self-care a lot. It seems like people make a lot of money off self-care nowadays, but just do things that interest you. I think the hardest part about the transition to law school is that I've said this to a couple people. I think it's hard for the wrong reasons. So for me, it's like I can kind of pick concepts up. I can take notes. I can go to class. I can do the readings. But when you throw reading for next week is on the task list, is on the to-do list, and then looking for jobs because our recruiting season starts in November and or December, whichever track you're on, and then reviewing old material because our exams are in December and it's a lot of material, making sure you're getting good sleep, haven't done that, and making sure you're eating, which I have done. It's a lot. It can be, and then you're like, hmm, where's the time in the day to go make an appointment to call somebody to do that research and something has to give. So what I've done is really, really, really have leaned on my friends, being even if it's small conversations in between class, small conversations after classes. I cook for people once a month on the weekends just so I can have people at the house, build community around food. And I make sure I call my girlfriend once a day at least, usually twice a day, just because I know that I feel like I don't have as much time to reach out to professionals. As long as there's somebody that I'm talking to, especially my classmates who can also relate because we're going through similar things, it's been incredibly helpful. That is so huge. I think that's, as you were talking about time, time management is such a tricky thing because I think people want a solution. It's just that we don't have enough time for everything. And how do we prioritize? And I think that's such a huge piece, which is, mental health is also enhanced by our connections and our friendships. Yes, sometimes there's a time and a place to connect with a professional. And like, I think what you're saying is that making that time to even just connect with your friends feeds probably your and their mental health in a way that's like, I don't know, sometimes people don't think of that as self-care, but to me it is. And I think sometimes self-care can fall flat when it feels like you have to do it by yourself, it feels like another to-do list. Whereas that to me seems different what you described. Right, it's nice when people are in the same or similar positions and you're all trying to figure it out because whether somebody went straight through, whether somebody was a paralegal, whether somebody got a PhD, somebody's a parent, now we're all in the same place, kind of starting from the same position where nobody knows what's going on, nobody really knows what to expect. But it's nice to be able to be in community 
with other people and to like have conversations that are deeper than just like, did you do the readings for yesterday? It's being able to have, even if they're short conversations, you can still have a connection with somebody that is just very helpful. And you feel like it's not super time consuming. Go ahead. And what a humbling experience. You said sort of people of all walks of life and coming from different backgrounds, the parent, the paralegal, and now you're sort of in the same boat. Right. Even though I'm like the young kid, just graduated school and all my friends are like, oh, I took at least a year off. It's like, ah, whatever. I wanted to start my career at 25, not 26. Big difference in my head. So something that we've heard you talk about in the past, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about it now. And I've heard students, especially students of color and students who are underrepresented, talk about that, like, sometimes there's this whole, like, resilience and grit will get you through. And like, that also can fall flat for a number of reasons, like maybe the main one being like, yeah, we've already learned how to have grit and resilience. And like, that's not like a new concept and to present it as if it is can be problematic. And so I do wonder like what your thoughts are on that. I do not like the resilience narrative. Nah, for a lot of reasons. I think, of course, I can't and don't seek to speak for all black people. Even the narrative in some of black communities, especially my household, was kind of just like, the kids went on this way. You got to see it through, by the way. It's just like, where in that is the space to be like, no, I don't want to do this. This is hard. I'm quitting this. I'm leaving it behind. Or it's like, I need to say no to this thing, not saying yes to everything. Because I feel like, I don't know, with resilience, it's like, you just get through it. That's kind of the idea. But in that, there doesn't seem ever feel like there's enough space for it. And it's like, if you take time for yourself, or if you take a step back, there's like a sense of betrayal or like, I'm not using my time the right way. Like, what do you mean I'm not using every second in the day to like do what I have to do? But like that doing what you have to do is not prioritizing yourself sometimes. It's like, got to get this task done or got to keep doing this thing. And especially when it's just like, oh, we got to be resilient. It's like, yeah, but like people are dying. People are overworked. I think people are tired of being like, oh, we just got to keep going. We just got to roll with it. Burnout's real. There's a reason why I'm, I haven't even batted an eye at any student org leadership position here at Columbia. There's a reason I don't want to be on these anti-racism task force anymore. It's real. You get tired just being on that grind the entire time. I think instead, people, students, should set boundaries for themselves and say, hey, I'm not doing this or I'm not doing it. Don't let there be a gray area because the last thing you want to do is raise someone's expectations that you're going to do something and then you don't have the capacity anymore to do it. And it's like you keep doing it because you don't want to disappoint somebody, but it's like at what cost to you? I think that's much setting boundaries, knowing what to say no, and knowing things that like you really want to invest yourself in are really important to avoid getting to avoid getting sucked in to the resilience stuff. Like there will be nights where I'm like, ooh, I could finish this reading tomorrow or I could stay up later tonight and do it. I'm going to bed. Because there's a point where you just have to stop and say, nah, mm-mm, I can do it tomorrow. Or like, it's not that urgent. It's like a supplemental reading that they assigned that like maybe some people will read, but it won't be on the exam. And so I'm not doing it. Because the last thing you want to do is just like, I don't know, you finish the thing you wanted to do and that's great and then you're tired. But it's like, at this age, or in law school, or an undergrad, there's no pause button. You don't get to stop. It's like, you don't want to get to the end and be burnt out. And then you got to wake up the next day and do some more stuff. 
So resilience, it's a little spicy for me. Prefer something a lot more mild. It's tricky. I really appreciate you sort of looking at both sides of that concept. And it's hard to be effective from a place of burnout and be really effective. Right. Yeah, I've heard students who are in particular sort of identify more in the activism space. So I think what you're talking about is really important is like learning to set boundaries and say no is a skill in itself. And sometimes people actually have to practice doing it, right? Like, okay, today I'm going to say no to something. It's hard. And then it can be even more layered if you are a student leader, I think, because then folks are like, I've heard students say so much of my identity and my work is to help others. And so then saying no is even more layered. But at the same time, they'll also say it's even more important that I'm tending to my like mental health and self-care too. And so I wonder if you have any <laughs> advice for folks out there. <laughs> the wish I realized a lot sooner, because senior year, my whole thing was I am the speaker of the Black Student Union. We have X budget and people have been dying are currently dying and will keep dying. And so if I'm not doing something every second of the day that I'm letting people down, whether that's people who like see the work that we're doing and they're like, they could do more, whether that's my executive board members, whether that's just other black people worldwide in general, it's a very hard spot to be in. Because like you said, when you're at that level of leadership in a organization that's based around identity, your entire identity becomes you're serving others. And like once you're in that position, it is really, really, really hard to be like, wait a damn minute, I got to delegate or do something. Like it's easy to just be like, we got to be doing something all the time. And I think COVID supercharged that because it was like, okay, we need to make connection in virtual environments. We got to figure it out. And at the same time, at the time, a lot of members of our community were hurting and healing because that's the time that the assaulters at UMish page is on Twitter and people were like, oh, I know that person. They've come to XYZ events. And so it was like, we're trying to do that and COVID and like George Floyd had to become a martyr for whatever reason for everybody to understand that Black Lives Matter. You're doing all that and it's really hard not to get trapped in like, if I'm not doing something at all times. I'm not doing my part. And I don't think I broke out of it. I think I graduated and I said, hey, I'm not doing that again. And that's why I'm here. And sometimes you need a hard reset or you need to change your environment. Maybe you do it your junior year and then your senior year, you're like, I just want to be a mass member again. I just want to go to the meetings. I don't want to plan them. I don't want to coordinate them. I don't want to pay for them. I'm going to just go. But that can be hard. I can relate so much. Well, you spoke about it earlier. You said now that you've gotten to law school, you're like, I'm not getting involved. And that's like sort of like a self-preservation thing on some level. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get involved or that you're not super duper passionate still, but that I like what you said about how do you know kind of like when to go in all in and when can you sort of be present and part of it? And when do you just need to step back? Exactly. You got to know how to walk away. And that's hard because like, I don't know, for some people, if it's like a notoriety thing, like I was, of course, the oldest person that lived in cousins i was in cousins my senior year and my ra was like oh you're the speaker of the bsu that's such a big deal and they're like a junior and i'm like it's no big deal of course i never led with that they would be like oh so what do you do on campus i'd be like i'm in this org or whatever for some people it's a notoriety for me it's the feeling that you are really out here doing something like professors are inviting you to their classes so you can talk about 
what the experience has been like because you're doing important work. You're getting asked to do podcasts and you're not even, I don't know, 22 yet. You have like a feature and a couple magazines because it's like people are really interested in the work that you've been doing and like you're invested in it and they can see that. And I don't know, that's just hard to walk away from because it's not like I want my face and my name out there so you know I can do a Google image search. But it's just like we are out here getting noticed which means we are doing the right thing. So let's keep the momentum up. And then you graduate and you're like, no, I can't do that again. I can't be on the policing task force again. I don't want to manage that budget. I don't want to lead a team of 17 people. You take them out to dinner one time, one last time, and then you're out. It can be really hard to be in. Especially when, as a student leader, you're at Michigan and you're just like, there's a lot of things going on that you don't agree with and that are very aggravating. And for whatever reason, you as the student are responsible for letting the administrators know how you feel and then pushing them to do more. The power dynamic is never in your favor. You're always fighting an uphill battle. And like you think you're going to get somewhere. And like sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But it's hard to be like, you know what? This is not going anywhere. We're just going to stop. Because then you start to think, how am I leaving the university? Like, am I leaving it better than I found it? Did I do everything I could? Did I do my best? And sometimes taking time for yourself and continuing to serve others at full capacity, full gas 100% of the time, really messes with the way you think about what your best is and how much you have to give. Like, you keep trying to wring it out, the washcloth, and you're just like, I know there's a little bit more. I know there's a little bit more. You're crushing yourself in the process. So, yeah, at a certain point, you just kind of want to walk away. Until there's nothing left and so clearly not sustainable and burnout is real. Maybe you'll return to some of this work at L3. Who knows? But maybe not. And so I think we find ourselves at different points of life, engage differently and you know, give what we can then. As I think about like the rest of law school, I know I already have a bucket list. I want to work for a judge. It sounds cool. I'll try it. I want to work for a firm because I wanted to put my mom in a Tesla, but I think she's doing that herself. I don't know. So it's just like I want to take my girlfriend on a nice vacation. I want to do a clinic, because that sounds cool. And I want to study abroad, because I didn't get to study abroad in Michigan, because I was on a debate scholarship, and I had to work during my summers and debate during the semesters. So I want to go to Europe or something. Student organization leadership, not even thinking about it. I'm taking out loans for this, so I'm getting the most out of my experience, doing things that I want to do, it's time. And I think that's been one of the best things that I could do. I think I was in very deep in undergrad and it would have been hard to make that adjustment. And if you're listening to this and you feel like you're in too deep, sometimes you got to quit a cold turkey if it's too much and you feel like you can and you feel like the right people are in that position. And you're always going to doubt it. And you're always going to be like, ooh, what if I stayed? Like, yeah, I still follow the BSU on Instagram. I still wear my BSU stuff at Columbia, I still keep up with them. And sometimes I wonder, you know, like, huh, what if I got dealt that hand instead of the COVID, we're all virtual hand last year? And it's hard when you believe the thing that you've been a part of for years. I think I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. I love that you brought it back to like advice because now you can sort of see it in retrospect, like how when you really felt like you were super deep in it. When you talked about delegating, it also made me think something else we've talked about on the podcast is sometimes when you feel so passionately about something, it's also a control thing a little bit. And delegation, like a relinquishing of control, because when you're so passionate about something, you're like, I got to do all of it. 
And so how can we also trust others to move whatever the work is forward to in connection with us, even if they might not do it exactly how you would? Yeah, that's really hard. Because I think when you're leading a student org, I mean, everybody has a certain way that they want things done. And when you pass it off to somebody else, of course, they're going to have it the way that they want done. And it'll be really different. It took me a while, but I learned how to delegate. I think when it comes to that trusting piece, I mean, if you're feeling tired, you need to take a step back and you need to delegate. Of course, it's hopefully with people that you've already built relationships on your executive board or in your project group or in whatever you're working on that's a collaborative effort. Ideally, build relationships with those people and you can kind of push things off and unload a little bit until you're ready to come back. And if you're not ready to come back, then you just make that clear and you leave. But of course, it's so much easier said than done to be like, oh, you can just like leave this thing you've done for years. Because, I mean, we get territorial. Like I know, like when I was treasurer and they were like, Thomas, this funding structure doesn't make a lot of sense. I was like, fine, I'll change it. But at the same time, I had to recognize that because it's a team effort, if you've really done your job, then everybody knows how to do their job. You've put people in a position where like they know how to get their stuff done and do their part. And maybe there's somebody that knows how to do their part and they know how to do a little bit of your part. And somebody else knows how to do that too. Of course, it's easier with a board of 17. But even if it was like, I don't know, four people, I'm sure that there are ways that you could maybe divvy up the work or find ways to push off to people that you trust. At some point, you got to realize this, everybody's not going to do it the way that you would have done it. That's never going to happen. Like, oh my God, at that point, it's out of your hands. And maybe they'll come up with new strategies. They may not be the same, exactly. but there might be new, fresh ideas. We all love innovation and growth. Because, I mean, that's what keeps student orgs alive. Like, I couldn't imagine what they were doing before they had Instagram. Like, they were handing out paper flyers. Okay. Or how they were communicating with membership before Group Me. Like, I know they'd have meetings and they'd probably be more well-attended just because there was less stuff to do on campus or smaller demographics. So it's like, that's where everybody hung out. I think the current speaker of the BSU, Jasmine, you're doing a great job. You hold it down. You got to know that it's going to be okay. The org is still going to happen. It didn't crash in its 50th year. It's going to keep moving. So maybe I wonder if you can leave folks with a thought about, as you're talking about student leadership, I also know there's listeners out there who are thinking, I'm not a leader. I like to push back on that because I really think whether you have a title or not, you have influence. And so I wonder you didn't just like walk in the first day and become the speaker of the of BSU. Any advice you have for sort of folks who are, I don't know, aspiring leaders or don't see themselves as leaders? So if you're an aspiring leader, you're probably already there. Maybe a title is really important to you. And if you don't have one, then I don't know. If you're listening to this, you probably know how to get one. If you don't feel like you're a leader, I don't know. That's kind of cap. Your friends probably ask you if their Instagram post looks good. You probably have good TikTok ideas. Your friends are probably like, does this look cute to wear? And you're like, yeah, it does. I would pair it with this. Oh, at the school that calls us leaders and best. Even though there were times where I'd be like, how did that person get in? I did realize, you know, everybody's a leader in their own right. I think it's important to realize that you have that influence. How much you have is what's up to you. The circumstances and the conditions that you're in. But I think you got to realize like, you can make some shake. 
you are influential, whether it's in your friend group, whether it's in a larger community, whether it's in an organization. And with that, a lot of the same things that we've kind of talked about today still apply. You got to know when you feel like you're giving too much and when you need to take a step back. You got to know when to prioritize yourself. You got to know when to seek help because it is lonely at the top. Everybody's not going to get it, how much you're doing. You got to know when you got to talk to somebody because you're going through it. Leadership's fun. It's exciting. You're going to have to do it. I mean, you probably want to get a job. If you don't want to get a job, that <laughs> you're chilling. There's going to come a certain point where you're going to have to lead a group, a team, whether that's in a job context or whether it's in a group project because you're doing the work for the group project, but the other people are not doing the work. We've all been there. You're just going to have to rally everybody. So figure out what your leadership style is. Figure out what you need to be your best self to be an effective leader and make it happen and take time for yourself all the time. And I love that we are ending on connections again. When you talked about it's lonely at the top, again, people around you matter. People around you matter so much. Like there are a lot of times senior year where I was like, okay, I'm applying to law school and I'm like doing work with the Students of Color Liberation Front and I'm running the BSU and really displeased with how some students are being treated. I don't like online school. School my senior year was a side hustle. Like I went to class. I did the readings, but that was never the priority. Oh, and I was writing my thesis. Goodness. It's like you're doing all that and nobody's really going to get what that load is like. Maybe they'll understand. Maybe they've done some of those things, but like all those things at once is a lot to do. You got to talk to somebody. It doesn't matter who you talk to. As long as somebody you can trust and be vulnerable with but you have to talk to somebody because otherwise you're just going to sit there spiteful and resentful and be like, oh, such as all this free time and I don't have any time to do the things that I want to do. You have to talk to somebody and make that time. You're not going to do undergrad alone. That's kind of boring anyway, but you're not going to do it alone. You have to do it with other people. And that's why you go to a school with tens of thousands of students compared to Columbia where there's only 480 students in my law school class. Coming from Michigan, it's so weird, the size difference. Everybody's like, oh, that's right? But even then, I'm still finding people I can connect with on a deeper level. It's not surface level. And it gets me through the day. Take each day at a time. I love the creative way of combining folks and food and love how you're finding your way around that new campus. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us today, Thomas. And I hope all of you out there have gained some insights and we'd love for you to comment on our Instagram and leave comments for Thomas or questions as we all navigate through all these connections. So thanks so much, Thomas. Any last words? Wear a mask, get the vaccine, and make sure you're staying hydrated. Thanks for having me. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, you should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.